Hi everyone, welcome to the Awakening Podcast, and today I'm very excited to introduce you my guest Olga Sakalova. Her spiritual name is Mandodari, and today we'll be talking about sacred design and architecture. Olga studied civil engineering in Russia and interior design in USA. Also, she got her PhD from the Open International University for Complementary Medicines, and she studied Vastu Shastra design in India, which is ancient science and and uh, she is an author of books and author of uh, Vastu Meditation Vimana. I learned about Olga while getting my yoga teacher training in Shivananda Ashram in Canada. And while I was getting ready for my exams, I accidentally, nothing happens accidentally, by the way, I think so. <laughs> I found her book in the library and uh, I started to go over it and I realized I can't stop. It was so interesting. It was a completely new topic and it was so well illustrated and I was like oh my god they're gonna study for my exam but this book is so interesting so I decided to learn more about that directly from Olga and I invited her to this podcast to share this ancient knowledge with my audience and uh, uh, today we'll be talking how design of our houses may affect our living our mood our health and how can we adjust our existing houses or if uh, we plan to build our dream house or we have any projects in real estate how we can create that happy house and without any further ado I would love to welcome Olga Sakalova. Thank you very much. Thank you for this uh, introduction. Yeah, so it is actually incredible science, uh, ancient science about 10,000 years old. And sometimes it says uh, in certain places, 15,650 years old. So yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful that um, Olga invited me uh, to be a part of her podcast and I'll be happy to share whatever I, I can during this Thank time. You. Thank you. And uh, I would love to start with a question. If you ever had a moment of the awakening when your life was separated for before and after? Yes, uh, actually I had several moments like this and every woman had its own color, I would say, or depth. One time I was in the metro in DC. I was programming during that time and I didn't know anything about Vastu Shastra. But it was a moment when I felt that I'm here and I'm not here, uh, sitting in my seat in, in the metro car. But the sensation was that I separated from whatever was there in the sense of my worries, my thoughts, it was kind of, it went far somewhere and I was even like disappeared. And it was an incredible moment of peace, even beyond peace. And somebody was uh, came and sat next to me and that person was, I think, on drugs or something because it was something weird happening. But I really didn't care before I would probably stand up and, and choose another seat. But that didn't bother me. And that moment I felt like, oh my God, what is this? Why this is, it feels like eternal peace and tranquility. And it was beyond any explanation. So I thought, oh my God, I don't need anything but this. And I thought, how could I maintain that? And as soon as I thought to maintaining that, it disappeared. So, and I always remembered that experience because it was a very strong experience. And then I had similar like this experiences in different places, especially like a park 
where I would sit at the rock and I would feel like I'm a part of this rock and I would feel a wisdom of this rock. And uh, so it was just this moments and I was questioning and I realized that there is something beyond our normal quote unquote um, sensory kind of system and, and understanding of what we are, who we are. There is something else much bigger. I wanted to find that. And it was, it is a part of my spiritual quest at the same time, because I wanted to practice design using some spiritual qualities. So I wanted to have that in my life, let's say full time. And so this moments of awakening brought me to realization that I have to quit my programming job and do something else more meaningful to me. Because for some people, there is an interesting field of being in there and creating programs and stuff. But I did not feel that way about myself. So I, I made this uh, step, which some close people, even in my family, said I'm crazy. <laughs> Because I quit programming, not instantly, but I went part-time and I went back to college and I was probably the oldest student in that group and I studied interior design. Mm -hmm. And so that moment of awakening made a shift in my life and even in my professional career, because I felt I had to make a radical change and follow that. Mm -hmm. And how did you end up in India eventually studying the sacred design and architecture? Yeah, so because, um, you know, I studied interior design because I wanted to be professional in this new field to me, but I wanted to create healing designs. Um, not just reading one book or second book or even 10 books. I felt like in every field, it has to be a, a depth of knowledge if it's professional. So I wanted to professionally uh, practice interior design, but with this hint of color of healing. And I thought I need to study that. So first I picked some books about feng shui, color therapy, and I was very interested. I didn't, I didn't know anything about it before. And I found it's captivating, interesting, but I couldn't find more information, more in depth, I would put in that way. And I wanted to have a life teacher because I understood also only through learning from a life teacher, we can pick up on his or her vibes and learn on the energy level. Later, I understood that. But first, it was just intuition. And then it was interesting. I was in a, a fabric store in Rockville, Maryland. And I like fabrics because I'm a designer. So I was just like looking at different colors. And then I found a shelf with um, books. And I was surprised that in the fabric store, they were selling some books for $5 each, like whatever you pick. And then I went through these books and, and one I picked up, it's a beautiful book, nicely illustrated, but it's the size of a magazine and it says Vastu Shastra. I was like, wow, I don't know anything. What is Vastu Shastra? So when I opened that moment, I understood this is what I need wow. to do because I flipped through. And so I saw some charts. I saw some explanation. And for some reason, I think it's some kind of karmic thing, whatever related to India, it would trigger some something deep inside of me. And so I felt I had to go study in India. 
Vastu Shastra. I left Feng Shui, I left everything else, and I thought I have to focus on this because this is architecture, this is design, this is my field. And so I searched and searched on the internet. I found many different teachers, uh, websites, and they would invite for like a week, and you pay like well, $1,500, and you are a professional. And I thought, it doesn't sound right to me because if it's serious, you have to spend time on that. So then I found Dr. Ganapati Stapati, and he was well-known professional architect. And during that year, he actually supposed to had a class on Vastu Shastra. So I was interacting with him through emails and phone calls. And so that made my decision to go to India to study from him. And I never regret it. And I felt like it was a divine gift. I actually read in your book that you had some obstacles on your way and even tsunami and some other things didn't stop you. You were just moving towards your goal and you didn't see anything on your way. Oh my God, yes. Because, you know, I quit my job in design in order to go to India. You know, you have to go for a length of time. And we don't have long vacations here in the United States, yeah? So actually, um, I decided to to go. And my husband said, okay, well, I understand your desire, but, you know, we have to pay for college for our daughter, la, la, la. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there are some obligations. I said, yes, I know. So he said, well, maybe if you can't find a job and you could come back and you have already a job and then you have this gap between jobs and you do it. And I said, oh my God, it's almost impossible. But then it happened, actually. Mm -hmm. That was a miracle of my life because I decided I'm doing this and I found a company who decided to wait for me. They said they will wait like six months or so. Everything lined up. And then this tsunami happened and I thought, I'm going anyway. And I found out that tsunami was in the south from Chennai, where I was like 35 kilometers south. That's where the most destructions were. But they canceled the class. And I knew about, I found out about it only three hours before my flight. And I said, I'm going anyway. And my husband said, they will say no when you arrive, you change your ticket and fly back. So they did. Dr. Stapati took me in the class. And for the first week, I was one in the class. It was incredible. <laughs> wow. And then later, other people arrived. That's what happens when you are moving to your highest purpose. All stars just get aligned. Absolutely, yes. That's what I wanted to say. You're exactly right. That when we decided on something, even if it sounds crazy for others, which You know, it may, but it doesn't sound crazy for you, but you feel like even you have doubts that, you know, how I'm going to do all that, where I will get a time, how I can quit my job and all this, you know, surroundings of responsibilities. But if you will overcome that fear and just go forward, then things will align. Of course, it's not an easy path, but the universe just definitely is helping too. Mm -hmm. I'm very thankful for that. Such a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing. And could you please explain us more what is Vastu Shastra design? Because I've never heard about this term before I found your book. And I was like, wow, what is that? I want to learn more about that. Yeah, so Vastu is actually, there are two words. Long R Vastu and short R Vastu. So I found out that, you know, some people don't know what the difference is. And I didn't know that either. So Vastu is pure energy. Vastu is energy which manifested in the material form. 
So basically, the teachings of Vastu Shastra, Shastra teachings, basically teachings about energy, about energy distribution and energy structure of the space. So the Vastu is actually more in-depth about the structure of the universe and how we can fit our physical environments, houses, into that structure. That's the goal of Vastu Shastra. To understand that there is a structure of the space, just it's there. And there is description actually in ancient scriptures in Maya Matamana Saram, they, they have explanation about it. And Dr. Ganapati Stapati, he was um, actually, he would spend a lot of time on that subject because he thought it was important. So, Vastu Shastra is basically teachings about energy, distribution of energy, vibration, and resonance of our spaces. So in order to build a house according to these teachings, we have to calculate carefully that building mathematically with special formulas and calculate energy of the person who is going to live there or family and make sure that it goes all along these formulas, which will give us a specific dimension of the space volume. That space, because it's energy, it will resonate with these people because we give a special dimension to them and also directions. So there are a lot of rules in order how to position house, how to pick the land, how to calculate, and how to create a floor plan according to the teachings. So it's basically architecture and design. And what is the origination of this knowledge? That's a very good question, yes. There are different schools in India uh, teaching this subject. And again, I was very fortunate that I went to South India. South India has its own school, South Indian school, and there is North Indian school of Vastu Shastra. So South Indian, to my knowledge, to my understanding, of course, it's subjective. It feels and looks like they saved more scriptures, like palm leaves, because a lot of destruction came from North with invaders, and they destroyed a lot of books and burned, you know, destroyed temples in India and stuff like that. So in South India, they were less damaged by invasions and taking over this country, Mughals and British and all that, yeah? So in India, in South India, they say that Brahmarishi Mayan was this ancient architect who lived on the quite a huge piece of land in the south part of India, in the ocean. It was land where a Mayan lived. And so about 18,000, 16,000 years ago, uh, it was a huge deluge, flood, but it was not like instant. So he migrated to the south point of India with all these people, and they had this knowledge. So Mayan is the uh, basically originator of the South Indian school of Vastu Shastra, of energy teachings. And he is uh, mentioned in uh, Mahabharata Ramayana, so he's not some kind of focal word or name for something legendary which never existed. There are lots of sources proving his actual existence and structures as well. So South India, uh, so Brahmarishi Mayan would be the starting point uh, for this teachings to spread around. And of course, he had students. So that generation after generation, they would um, verbally first recite in the poetic form 
the sutras, and then it was later written in uh, ancient Tamil language and then in Sanskrit. Wow. And who is Dr. Ganapati Stapati? So Dr. Ganapati Stapati was my guru because in India our teacher is guru. So he was um, from South India, Tamil or Dravidian culture. So that's very ancient culture. So he belonged to 11th generation of uh, traditional architects. He wrote uh, about 35 books on this subject. And one is called Astapatya Veda. I think it's a pinnacle of his. Uh, so it's kind of like a Bible for vast architects. So he was a traditional architect, meaning that he not only designed residences, public spaces, but also temples. So temple architecture is the biggest secret, let's put it in that way, um, of these teachings, because the temple by itself uh, would give energy to people. And so he was a temple architect. And so he built Thiruvalluvar statue, which is at the south point of India. There is a rock there. And so that statue is built there. Huge, beautiful statue. He got a award from Indian government called Padma Bhushan, which is a very high award and recognition for his work. So he was the um, well-known architect of South India. And he um, propagated this knowledge. And he was devoted to teachings of Brahmarishimayan of Vastu Shastras. So he said, Madam, he called me Madam. <laughs> uh, Mayan was the guy from whom, you know, we studied and then it continued. So he was definitely an incredible man. And if you don't listen, he would yell at you and he would sit straight and listen and do not interrupt. He was a very strict man, but he was very passionate. I'm very happy and lucky that um, I was able to study from him. And I called him Appa because he, yeah, he didn't have his children and his closest students. Um, he appreciated when um, you called him Appa, father. So father. So because the system in India is called Gurukul, how you study from your guru, you actually in ancient times, students would live with the guru and absorb that knowledge, not only through classes, but even helping the teacher cleaning, you know, cooking and things like that. So it was a communal living together. So 24-7 kind of interaction with the teacher. And how is it possible that house can be happy and unhappy? And how does design can affect the energy of our houses? Yeah, I called my uh, small book uh, Your Happy House because if we are not happy in the house, house is not happy either. How can we even apply this word happy to a structure, right? And that goes back again to the teaching so fast to Shastra that space itself is a volume of energy and that uh, living energy is everywhere. And that energy is not just this modern word, it's actually consciousness. So it's consciousness which pervades everything. And that is energy. So because there is a structure in the space, yeah, it's a grid lines. We have to calculate that house, as I mentioned earlier, and plug it in with its own dimensions, like a piece of a puzzle in the big picture of the universe. If we can do that with this knowledge, which we can then we create a very positive environment for people who are going to be there because this house will be connected 
to the grid of the universe, which is energy, and it would give energy to people who are living in there because it would be exactly fitting in the structure. Yeah, so it's like a light bulb. As soon as you made a blast turn into the socket, boom, it leads up. So the same with the house. You have to turn it, this house, and plug it in in the structure of space. So if the house is not properly positioned according to the energy grid of the planet Earth, which has its own grid energy, and plus the same grid of energy in the space, but they're all aligned. So the grid of space of the cosmos is aligned or to be exact, the earth energy is aligned with the energy of the space. And if we go into that space and with our own energy, we become aligned with cosmos itself because the house is aligned. So that is number one rule. And number two rule, the calculation. So we create specifically calculations of good vibration for the person. So in order to create that space, we have to follow these rules. So when we go in that space, we feel happy. If the house is not designed by these rules, this is what is happening everywhere now. 90% of buildings, they are not according to these rules. Because we live in a time of greediness when... We are thinking about how many houses we can plug in in this piece of land, put them close to each other. There is a 10 feet different distance between. So we don't have windows on some sides of the buildings because the builder decided, okay, I will put 10 houses on this piece of property where maybe three houses should be. Yeah? And so if people don't see each other, I won't put windows. That is not right because house has to breathe. Okay, so there are rules of architectural rules. So if they're not there, house cannot breathe. House doesn't have energy to be plugged in because it's an energy space itself. And that energy is shifted, not along the grid of the space, then house is losing its own energy. And in order to maintain that energy, it will start taking from us. So we will be feeling a bit tired first, then people get depressed in these buildings. And they don't understand. They think it's environment, it's some work stress, and etc. But house actually may drain energy from people as well. But it's not like we're going to die, no. But it is the thing, because if you plant sunflowers somewhere where there's no sunlight, it's not going to grow well. Same with the energy. If we follow the rules, the house is plugged in, the house is happy, it's a simple word because it's aligned and it has resonance with cosmos, which has infinitive energy. So that's why I called it happy and unhappy because happiness is basically peace. Mm-hmm. That's what we are going back to. Peace, incredible peace. It's not that moment of happiness, of excitement we have. Of course, it's great, but it's kind of like a very quiet, very soft feeling of comfort, peace, and happiness comes from there because as when we have peace, we are happy, you know. And so it doesn't drain us because a moments of incredible exhilaration and happiness may drain us as well because it's like a peak of emotions, right? So in order to become really happy, we have to become peaceful first. So these houses, they provide this peacefulness and they give ground foundation for people to be happy actually in their life of course we go outside 
We go to stressful environments, work, city malls and things like that where uh, lots of different people with lots of different energies. So we lose our energy. That's why they say in the past gurus, and they would say, go to the nature because nature is not disturbed. There are no settlements there. There are trees and plants and it's all growing according to the energy distribution. So same with buildings. As soon as we create a forest of buildings, according to the law of the universe, then we, we may stay happy. But if we violate these rules, we create unhappy environments for humanity. Mm -hmm. And so the whole cities can be very hectic because the plan of the city is not even aligned with the grid of this energy of the earth. So the city can be hectic. And that's what happens with a lot of buildings when they are under 45 degrees to the cardinal directions because cardinal directions of the planet Earth are these energy lines. Right. So if you look at Manhattan, it has a beautiful grid structure, but it's shifted. So that's why people do things there, financial and stuff, but it's hectic. Wow. It's constantly jumping and moving and the stock market up and down. If they would put their buildings according to grid lines, they would have more stability there actually. Mm -hmm. And maybe stock market of the city. <laughs> so, yeah, because it's all emotions of people, you know. People get scared, they start selling stocks. People feel stable, they keep them. And so it just creates economic jumps and peaks. So the happy house is a key for us to have a stable, happy environment. Not only house, even the city. Because to design a city, you apply the same rules. It's like fractals. Mm -hmm. Could you please tell us more about basic concepts of the cosmology knowledge and how specifically our internal vibrations interact with the cosmic grid? Yes. Uh, so according to teachings of Astrashastra, uh, and particularly there is a scripture called Ayn Tiram. Ayn Tiram, it's published again by Dr. Ganapati Stapati. That is a set of sutras that exactly about the structure of the universe. So every... Being has energy particle inside. In uh, Hinduism, they call it Jivatma. We can say this is our life energy. We can say our soul. We could have different names for that. Yeah. So that particle of this divine energy is embedded in the body, and it feeds body with energy. So it has a frequency of vibration. And there is a part of astrology which is involved in these teachings to calculate the energy of the person. We have to find time, place, and date of the birth of that person. Why? Because we have to find out what was the energy from the space coming to that part of the earth where this person was born at that moment. What was the dominating frequency coming from the space so because it actually hits that newborn baby with that frequency and sets up the absolute vibration of the divine little being which was born and divine because the baby has in the womb of a mother absolute vibration of the divine so it's not shifted to any direction it's the same like god basically yeah and when the baby is born in the physical body then this energy of the cosmos 
roughly hits us, maybe, and shifts the energy and sets the slightly different frequency. That's why we have different characters, we have different shapes, because of our inner frequency of vibration of our soul. And the universe itself has absolute vibration, which pulses and eights. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Stops for a moment and then sends another set of pulses. That's why pranayama actually in eights. 4, 8, 16, because we try to connect to the energy of the space vibrating. So the structure of space has absolute vibration, and then we have to link to that vibration, our soul, because when we are linked with our energy to the absolute vibration of the divine, then we are at peace. So the goal of this is to link these energies, the absolute with their personal energy of a human being, yeah? So when we create environment where this can happen, then we create resonance of energies. So we actually become with our energy, with the help of the energy of the house, because it's a capsule of space, we become the absolute vibration. That's why we sense peace. So there is a structure in space. It's called Vastu Purusha Mandala. So Vastu is energy, Purusha is actually a live being, consciousness, and Mandala is design. So it's a cosmic design which exists in our universe, which is described in these ancient scriptures. And there are several of them, not one, not two, many. And so they combine this corpus of literature about that. In simple words, we have to create resonance between a person, human being, and the cosmos. And the element which is connecting these two is the house. Because house, we can set up specific frequencies there. Because I can't cut part of my body to make me shorter, right? I am like this already. I was born. Why am I having these dimensions? Because of my inner vibration. Because my inner energy is constantly emitting pulses of this divine energy of light, actually. And it built up my body of this dimension, of this shape. And so that's why human beings are considered as a pinnacle of their evolution of divinity, of their physical emanation of divine. Because we can realize ourselves only with the human consciousness. So it is difficult for a lower vibration to realize itself. Only in the human form we can become realized because of our energy frequency. So we went so many stages of evolution in order to become who we are. And so the last step is for us to realize who we truly are with our amazing magnitude of possibilities which we don't know. And unfortunately, we don't get this from schools because, you know, it's just not in the main curriculum. That's why we look and search now. That's why people do yoga now. So actually, for people who does yoga, these spaces are even more beneficial because it really sets up a really good vibration there. So it's like, imagine a structure of the space, which is grid, G-R-I-D, yeah? So, and 90 degrees. So it goes through entire space. Because it's combined from tiny little particle called para, manu, para, super, anu is atom. So these tiny cubes of energy, they're attached to each other like bricks, but they're like 
cubical bricks, yeah, a cube. So that is a particle of energy is consciousness itself, which manifested itself from invisible concept of existence into the first structure of energy, which is cube. So this little cube has a central line. It's called Brahma Sutra. Brahma created Sutra line, line of creation. So when the consciousness is a total peace, that's what yogis are trying to achieve. Yeah, total peace means no thoughts. So when we think this tiny little Sutra line vibrates and dances, so we can say it's a dance of Shiva. So the energy becomes activated because of the force of the thought we received. We, dis- we generated a thought or desire or something. Yeah? So it starts dancing and the dance is actually spinning. So the whole universe is in this motion of pulses, spin, vibration, and it goes into waves. So we are in the ocean of vibrating energy. So if we as humanity would understand that part and at least for like several moments would stop thinking some negativity, but with everybody, it doesn't matter what religion we belong to, but say something beautiful all together, all humanity, it will be a jump in the energy of the planet Earth. So these houses, they help to make this jump in consciousness if they are done properly, because it's a capsule of uh, cosmic energy. See, it's everywhere. Yeah, we can't say, you know, I don't have energy in my building. I do. So air is just only a part of it. So we know there are Panchabhutas, five creative elements. Pure space with luminous energy like light, just glowing, which is not visible to physical eye, only visible to... A highly advanced yogis, yeah? because they start seeing with their energy eye, with their own heart, with this atma. And then um, after the pure space, it starts spinning and slows down in order to take form. So the next step or stage of this manifestation process is air. So space, air, then fire, then water, and then earth. So that is five elements on the on the subtle level, and they correspond to physical elements here where we live. So our our five senses are based on these uh, elements as well. We can taste, you know, that's water. We can hear, that is actually a sound, and that's pure space. We can smell, that's earth. So these elements, in order to understand that, I had to study Vedanta with Shivananda Ashram. I'm very thankful to them because. Just to understand Vastu Shastra, even being with my guru, it was not enough for me because I didn't have enough information to take. Because in India, people growing up with Vedanta, for them, this is nothing unusual, but we don't know, you know. And so, yeah, it takes time. And most ancient religions are based on the same postulates. So there is not much difference if we start digging and we come to the same Place. And, you know, it was a uh, saint, Paramahansa Yogananda, and, you know, came from India and he taught in California. He wrote this book, Autobiography of the Yogi. He said there are many paths to the same point. We just go different routes. That's okay. all it is. 
I don't know if I was able to to describe that because I mean I could talk hours about it and uh, yes and it's this little book I have this uh, your happy house has this it's kind of very clear um, there it's very small page. and so clear yeah. yeah and do you have any interesting stories about how life of some of your clients or people who lived in houses designed by sacred geometry have changed and uh, for example in one of your lectures I've heard about mathematician and his son physic who was um, born and lived in such type of house and they both were geniuses any other stories you know yes basically um i started analyzing uh, different structures to understand how house could influence somebody because in this grid pattern of the house because in the house we have also grid it's a small grid and that uh, grid pattern has energy uh, places So according to these teachings, we can't put whatever door. We have to position where the positive energy is. We have to create an empty space in the center because that's where it gives you energy. So evaluating a house, you can say what is happening to people if house has violations from these rules. For example, when I was in France in, at Shivananda Ashram, they invited me some years back. One gentleman came from Russia, because, you know, I speak Russian as, as well. He came from different parts of Russia, two friends, to take this course. And when we were sitting at the end of this course and, and evaluating everybody's apartment or house and looking what what is happening there, because it's built already. So he said, oh, my God, now I see where my front door is located in the energy grid. It says, Uh, you will be alone in your life, like single. He said, that's why I can't find a partner because uh, I, my house is facing that, you know, the door is sitting in that part where I will be always alone. I don't want it. <laughs> so if we can make these changes, that's great. There is an interesting thing also about two things. I don't want to scare anybody. So people should not be afraid because some padas, they say deaf. If your door is in this pada called Niruti, It's a corner border of uh, southwest corner. And, uh, well, for example, we bought a house with my husband. We lived 14 years in a beautiful historic home. And I evaluated this house. In general, it was very nice building. Uh, of course, some minuses because that was not built according to these teachings, but it was beautiful. Anyway, I got into car accident after two years living in that house. I was lucky I did not die because it was head-on collision on a highway and um, it was scary. And after that, well, I was checked, you know, I was fine, nothing was broken. Uh, I was definitely just saved by divine. I came home and I was sitting several days later after that. And I thought, oh my God, I need to check where is my back door? Because we stopped using our front door because we parked behind our house and we use the other door, which is there, but it's not a main door. And I looked and it says Niruti, deaf, part of deaf. I was like, oh my God, maybe it influenced that somehow it, it just created this situation but i was not destined to die you know so i was saved but after that i was like okay whenever i'm going somewhere i'm flying somewhere i'm exiting the door of my house and that is only for trash <laughs> to get out and put in the trash and so i put even like a i put some 
certain things just above that door to so my psychic would be like okay you know there is something saving me like Ganesha you know things like that a little icon it doesn't matter it's just for us so yes there are basically doors if they're positioned at specific pada of vibration pada is the square of that grid pattern and there are negative ones actually they're more negative than positive the question is is like universe is it violent no it's just it's a balance actually so all together this squares of energy or rectangles based on you know how we build the house because there are proportions there according to these teachings as well so all together it's balance it's peace so it's not like all positive and there's nothing negative yes so there is negative and there is positive there is destruction and there is construction all together it's balance so one time i was asked by one woman to come she was indian and she lived not too far from where i used to live and she asked me to evaluate her place where she lived and they had the mini hotel and her husband got into a car accident and so he unfortunately passed away and so she was by herself and she wanted to enhance the property so it would bring more profit and so she asked me to come evaluate and make some suggestions what can be fixed potentially so i came i was driving and i, th- I knew about her husband and i thought I hope she doesn't have a door there. And she had a door in the Nirutipada as well. So she didn't die. But her husband did. But it doesn't mean, as I said to everybody, that people don't be afraid. Because it doesn't mean that it will kill you. No. It just brings some negativity to your life. So if we know that and we can fix it, that's perfect. And that's why we were doing all this. So I suggested to her, because she had the window, and I said, let's just structurally, it is possible to move this door where the window is, to make window small and create another window where the door was and have a door in this pada, in this particular place where the energy is positive. So it will bring you money, it will bring you peace, because directions, cosmic directions, are also important, and they have their own qualities. So we always look, people ask, can you please design a house for me? And I want my office there as well. So, and I want to make, of course, my money, you know, I want to be profitable in my business. So therefore, I want my door facing north. Because it says from north in the scriptures, it says north brings material wealth. So it brings, of course, balance and all that, but it brings specifically material goods and uh, wealth and money. And so a lot of people in India, they know that they want that. But sometimes, according to the situation of the property, of their own vibration, it comes out from these formulas, we can find actually which direction, how it's supposed to face. And so Dr. Stapati would calculate, recalculate three times. He wouldn't do more because he would say, sir, on this property with your energy, your house is supposed to face west, for example. That's it. And they would listen. But nowadays people want, you know, we want more and more and more. So there is a notion in India, that if your house is facing south, that's bad. No money. <clears throat> that's not true because Vastu Purusha Mandala has two doors, two entrances in specific locations, and one actually is bringing financial gains. But with your energy, 
it is good for you to have that entrance. For somebody else, it might be different. So that's why it's personal. And uh, for example, I have a woman in New York. She asked me to evaluate her house. And we found out that where her main place for energy is called Brahma Stan. Brahma created Stan, place of creation. It's a central part of the building. So she had walls. So when the walls are crossing Brahmastan, central part, or have bathrooms, it's a contamination of energy of the house in general. So it's like the biggest minus could happen to the building. So we found that there is a wall, but they were not uh, load-bearing walls, like just intermediate between rooms. So it could be actually removed or moved to a different location so we could empty that space for the heart of the building because it's heart of the building. So she had dog after dog dying from heart problems. So she said, maybe, I didn't even think about it because I didn't know. I said, you know, the heart of the building has this blockage. So it may create some problems, you know, with energy fluctuation and distribution. So we need to move this and we can design it beautifully and create that. She said, oh my God, now I know why my dog has these problems. So maybe her dog was taking part of karma, helping these little angels, dogs, and they would just take uh, that energy, hit of energy in themselves. So she made the changes. I hope her dog is not bad <laughs> now because she... <laughs> So things like that, yeah, if you start evaluating. And I have uh, a lot of people who studied for me in Russia and they have, they keep their diaries and they find a lot of reasonings why people have problems because you could read like a chart, the house and what's happening. So ideally we should educate builders and architects on this topic because they're the ones who set up this energies everywhere, especially city planners. Yeah, because the city is important. I mean, it's thousands of millions of people living there. And if it's not aligned properly, it creates hectiness. And plus, the city in general may not gain actually financially. It could be a struggling for some reason. Yeah. And so if we take and evaluate, it could be a great database actually study. If we would take this teachings and evaluate, cities and see if they follow somewhere and where the big violations are and draw from their conclusions and see if it fits the real statistics, economical downfall or opposite. Maybe city is very rich in, in many different ways. Like, for example, I was in um, Portland, Oregon, and I stayed in one area of that city and it felt great. And I was like, oh my God, people are happy here. The restaurants everywhere. It's like day, a weekday and people are still sitting and talking at night, just like it felt happy. And then we crossed the river with my husband and went to, because we, we just wanted to just kind of city, uh, to see the city, to find more about the history and stuff. So we crossed the river, went to the city hall and I see so much trash there for some reason around many homeless people. And I was like, what a difference between this region and that region, I looked at the map and that region where I felt peaceful, anybody can look at it and for themselves. It was aligned according to cardinal directions, all street wow. Across the river, it was a shift. So it was like almost 45 degrees. And I was like, wow, that fits exactly the explanation of Astro Shastra. Because when your building is 
not according to cardinal directions, but under 45 degrees, it's in constant spin. So the energy is spinning, so we can't relax. We can't think straight. So it's just always like searching, hunting for something, but it never ends because you're not aligned with the whole city, with the peacefulness. Wow. Does this knowledge has anything in common with Feng Shui? Yes, Feng Shui is, um, as I said, I started with Feng Shui, but I left that because every field of expertise takes time and to study. So I don't know much Feng Shui. I know only certain things when I started. There are books uh, saying that Feng Shui is about three and a half thousand years old. It's called the one ancient sect of um, Feng Shui masters called Black Hat. And it's about three and a half thousand years old teachings. But Vastu Shastra is 10,000 for sure. So it's older. Then um, later on in my research, I found that a lot of Chinese travelers came to India in ancient times and they would keep diaries. They would study Ayurveda. They would study Vastu Shastra. And maybe the source of that ancient information spread through curious travelers to China. Of course, I don't want to consult any Chinese country masters. I don't know. But there is a possibility that it was coming from the south, from that far land which sunk. And actually, Australian researchers, they found years back uh, west of Australia, they were scuba diving and they found sunken land which has imprints of ground plants. So that land sunk. And that is exactly the land described in ancient teachings of India, that that's where Mayan lived. So it's a very interesting fact. So there are temples underwater in many places of the, of the earth, sacred places in Japan, India. Uh, I know that they found, yeah. So Feng Shui, its own uh, uh, way of teaching, it's more interior concept because they use a lot of different elements or design to put here and there to change the energy so i would say feng shui at this point is more about interior changes rather than structural but i'm sure the roots are seen and uh, i had one feng shui master came to me from new york he practices it full-time he wanted to study Vastu Shastra basics because he had clients from India and they wanted Vastu Shastra. So he said, I'd like to study from you. And he came. And so he spent time with me a week, I think we studied. And so he told me, interesting, in Feng Shui, if you have a front door and it faces another door on the opposite wall of the building and you could see it, it's called House of Poverty. And so they don't do it. In Vastu Shastra, it's not the case. They say, no, the front door, when you open the door, you have to see either window or another door in order for to circulate. So circulation of energy is very important for Vastu Shastra. So it makes sense to me. It's like you get a fresh energy coming in, just works out with the divine energy and it goes away. So it makes sense to me. Somewhat I have this logical mind of an engineer Russia, you know, I had to have that. So there are differences. So my suggestion is either to follow Feng Shui way of um, 
placement and their own teachings or follow this way of Vastu Shastra. I would not mix it up because it's like allopathic doctors and homeopathic yeah. doctors, right? Or Ayurvedic doctors. Yeah. They cure people, but they have different ways of curing, right? Or helping. So that's what I would say. I also have a funny story about the apartment where we lived in New York with my family. And uh, before we moved in, there was three girls who lived there. They all were immigrants. And once they moved into that apartment, all their lives started to get more arranged and they started to get good connections. They started to meet right people and figure out their immigration stuff. And uh, they settled down in a new country. Then they all moved out and we moved in. And uh, uh, while we lived there, we also all got our papers. I've got my citizenship, then my sister, my mom and my dad. And apparently one of the girls who lived there before, she studied Feng Shui and she texted me. She said, oh, do you know that your apartment is in a very good position energetically and uh, it's a happy house and everything gets arranged there? I'm like, wow, no, I had no idea, but everything looks good. We're doing great. And uh, apparently my sister, she was in one of these three rooms in that apartment and uh, she got proposal from her fiance and the rent in New York is very expensive so we had to get another roommate to live in that room so another girl started to live in this room and months after she moved out because she also got a proposal and then another girl moved in and a month after she also moved out because she also got proposal and I told my mom you know what <laughs> and at that time I was dating my husband I told my mom I should probably go and spend a few nights in that room so while I was traveling in between US and Canada we had international dating every time I would be in New York I would sleep in that room and apparently in a couple of months my husband also proposed me so I don't know how it works but there is definitely something about energy in the house and somehow it all works <laughs> Yeah, it's absolutely correct. Yeah, because the energy is there. And so when we know how it works, we can help each other. So it is great. Yeah, definitely. So I found this fascinating. But when we don't know, we think it's a miracle, right? But when we know we have the knowledge, we can explain how it works. And then we can go actually even further because we could advance. That's why in yoga, this jnana knowledge is another path to self-realization. So when we gain knowledge, we can navigate our life better and make less mistakes. So gaining the different wisdoms of different cultures, I think it's so important. And that's why it's good to be open to different teachings and find something which resonates to your heart. Like for me, for some reason, the Vastu Shastra became closer to my heart. And of course, I would like to know, I have some books on Feng Shui, but I just focused on Vastu Shastra because I wanted to know as much as I can in, in that field. So I thought if I will jump from one field to another, I just doesn't have enough lifetime, I think, you know, in order to study everything. But of course, it's good to know basics. Yeah. When we have a wider vision, then we can choose. So yeah, definitely. Uh, I believe in all that. Now I don't have a doubt <laughs> because I don't know if we have time. I, I have yes, a little... Sure. Miracle. Not for me. It was a big thing. So that I came from India. Yeah, it was two thousand five, 
And uh, I thought everybody will be interested about uh, these houses and I will have so many clients and nobody was interested. So not everybody, because number one, I couldn't explain that yet because it took me years to understand, to grow into that. And so I was hiking with my husband in the forest in West Virginia, some park. And I felt like a little bit down in my spirits. And I thought, maybe I'm not doing the correct thing. Maybe it's not my path. Why is not happening? What I want, I, I was envisioning like this business and a lot of clients and people kind of like, okay, and that's it. So then I said, okay, to my husband, I said, please go ahead. I want to meditate a little bit. Just, and I sit down on the rock in the forest. I closed my eyes and, uh, I was um, meditating and asking universe and actually particularly Maya, because Dr. Stapati gave me name Mandodri. She was daughter of Maya. And I thought, I'm going to ask Maya if this is my path or not. And I thought, how would I do it? So I, when this thought came to ask Maya, so I was like, okay, there is a little stream. I stood into the stream with bare feet. I took off my shoes and I'm standing. I closed my eyes and it was, it was instant. If I find a rock with a hole, that is, yes, it's my path. If not, I don't find it. That's not. And I was like, why would I even ask about it? I'm not at the seashore where you could find these pebbles with, you know, holes. I'm in a forest. I'm like, oh, I was disappointed with my thought. And I, I said, I'm going to look. I look down next to my right foot. There is a rock with a perfect hole. Oh, my God. I was wearing this on my, on my, on my string every lecture because it was like a size, like a, a bull shape with an eye. And one, my teacher, in, uh, I, I studied Bharatanatyam dance at that time. So I asked my beautiful teacher and she said, Olga, this is uh, Shiva. This a bull shape, like a skull of she, it's uh, Shiva's vehicle. It's Shiva. I was like, oh my God, I found this rock. With it. And somebody said, stop asking, just do it. You know, success doesn't come just like that. It takes time. So that was incredible. Uh, for me, a manifestation, basically. And one nun from one orphanage, years later, she I told her that story because I was so like thrilled with this. She said, is this rock for me? I was like, okay. I said, maybe this is time to give her this miracle rock to her, just a little one. So I gave it to her. I have a photograph of it. Anyway, yeah. So as soon as we're on the path, things lined up. And everybody will experience that. It's just like a lot of fear we have, unfortunately. And it's, you know, seated by their, you know, media and situations and just regulations, society rules and stuff. So we just have to inhale fresh air, prana, and just follow your dream. And it will just lead you. And it's not an easy path. I wouldn't say that's easy, but it's exciting. Actually. It's exciting. And you feel like your life has a meaning. And that is important. What advice would you give to people who already have houses, but they want to adjust it somehow so the energy there is more balanced? And also for those who just plan to build their dream houses or some type of real estate projects, do you give any type of consultations or recommendations about what main factors to consider and how to start thinking and planning for future building projects? 
Yes, definitely. I, I give consultations to people, of course, private consultations about even to buy a house. People ask me to evaluate. They will give me several addresses and ask if this is good or not. As I said, most of buildings, they're designed without this knowledge. Of course, they have problems and it's hard to find actually perfect. Yeah. You won't find it. But we look at the most important elements. The central part should not have a toilet. It should not have um, intersections of walls or stove, like right in the heart of the building itself. Then it's not going to breathe. So I'm looking at, uh, at all these things. Then um, directions, of course, it's important. So if it's under 45 degrees, I would say do not buy this house because that is a sh big shift in, of energy in there. So you won't have peace. So we're looking at that. So I could help in evaluating that definitely. Design-wise, uh, how to fix the house. So we have here two questions. If the house is built and it has some problems, right? Can we fix it or not? And number two question is, can we design and what would be the major kind of point of design in order to make it right? So I will answer first part of the question, uh, how we can fix it and is it fixable in general? It's a very interesting question because in India, a lot of people actually uh, consult the names of Pandit, they call them Pandit, Pandit, how to fix it. And there are many uh, remedies, they call it remedy, metal, hair, crystals, whatever. Some people say it's, it's working for them. Uh, some people say it works and then stops working after a specific point. So I asked this question, Dr. Ganapatistapati, when he was alive. I said, um, can we fix it? He told me, Madam, he was a very straightforward person. You have no arm. And I gave you a beautiful earring and you hung it here. You became more beautiful. Did you gain your arm? I said, no. That was an answer on my question. So in order to understand this, so basically there is a skeleton of the building. has walls and structure. So the skeleton, let's say a rib of the building, somehow goes through the heart unfortunately, of the building, which is a wall. So what we need to do, if we're going to put some yantra, that's what people do, put yantra, put some prayer, whatever, the wall is still there. It's not disappeared. So we have to physically remove it. But sometimes we can't because it might be a load-bearing wall. So we can't remove it. Then I say to people, okay, our Brahmastan is not a whole apartment or house. It's the central part. So let's have a beam there, remove that part of the wall and have a beam. So then we have the passage for energy and it can actually live there and breathe. So there are things like that. So you can make changes if it's possible. I have a, a client in Siberia. She asked me to evaluate her apartment and apartment building was built with a specific type of structure, which has like a central big column in the center and all their concrete floors, they are kind of like layered on, on, the, on this column. It's support column. So we can't remove it. And it's right in the heart of the building. You know? And her husband died very young. Dr. Sapati once told me, oh, it was a gentleman came from uh, Germany. 
with um, he has had the yoga center. So he brought the floor plan of the yoga center. He brought even um, a structure, a mini structure of the of that center. So Dr. Sabati looked at it and he said, "Sir, if you're not going to remove this central column from your Brahmastan, your wife will leave you." He said, "Oh my God, no! What I wanted, but it was hard because so he had to save money in order to change the structural element of that place in the yoga center to remove that central column from heart of the building." So I personally don't think that the little things here and there hanging would help because we need to release space from objects which are not allowing to breathe. So if we can do it structurally, perfect. You can move your place. Let's say you sleep in a fire zone where the fire is, energy is very hot there. So it's the south uh, east. Okay. So if you sleep there, people would fight all the time because they sleep in the fire zone. Yeah. So then I say, okay, we need to relocate the bedroom if it's possible. Or if it's not possible, if it's one room, move your bed at least to the other corner, which is earth. So I do like these consultations. So suggesting people what they can do in their situation. Perfectly remove all obstacles we can't, but we can ease it up and make it better. And when people know that, they actually start looking for a better place because they know that and they sense the changes, how they start sleeping. They sleep better. I moved from fire zone because where I used to live in that building, an old house, we had a beautiful master bedroom, beautiful, beautiful place, but it was a fire zone of the house. So we moved to the earth zone. It's a smaller bedroom but it slept much better there. So for the new construction, yes, there are directions how to build this house, main suggestions. I honestly would, um, there are rules there, but I think if this your happy house, people would be willing to buy for themselves. I have laid down every single rule there in general. So in general, house should not have uh, multiple corners cut off. Because cutting corner of the building, sometimes architects do that, uh, we lose energy. So we need to look at the proper space. It should be either square in the floor plan or rectangular. If it's too long, then the energy actually do not communicate. Uh, the cells of the padas, they don't, they're too stretched. So the energy is weak. So we look at the proportions. The house should be no longer than one to two. One is width, two is length. So if the house is longer than two widths, then it means that energy is very, very weak. So there are rules like that. So and there is nothing spooky in these rules. It's just architectural dimensions, proportions, and actually they are beautiful. And the Greek architecture and Roman architecture, they are resembling the stages. And that's why in India and all the um, scholars, they believe it was one knowledge available for everybody. And it was the same. We just kind of spread through continents and created our own cultures, made some changes and stopped understanding each other. But the rule of the thumb is everywhere the same. So, yeah, there are basically... um, rules and you could put on your uh, dream board a house with uh, no more than one to two proportions the central of the space should be empty so open floor plan 
So then house is breathing. So windows from all directions, not like from one side of the year and this one is not good. No, it has to breathe. Thank you so much. And how can we find more information about what you practice and teach? Maybe through your courses, books, website? Yes, actually, I do have a course. It was six months I had this uh, class for several architects and I recorded this course. So now I'm actually, um, it's done and it is in digital format. It's a video course uh, where from the beginning to the end, I give a course on Vastu Shastra. So it is available. So at your own convenience, with your own time, people can purchase this course and educate themselves and, and they could have a homework because at the end uh, of the course, I give examination uh, questions and uh, a person supposed to do a project. So we evaluate this project and see how it, what is done properly, not properly. So it should be done properly. And so I explained that. So yeah, there's a video course I do have on YouTube, um, some small videos kind of giving the glimpses of these teachings uh, a lot in Russian, but I started doing in English as well, because that's where I live. And uh, and the book also, the, the Happy House, and personal consultations, and my website, uh, mandodri.com. So I do have actually a lot of information there, and I put a lot of theory of these teachings. So it's page by page, by page um, people can read and see uh, for themselves if it resonates with them, it makes sense. Amazing. Thank you. I'll include all the information to the show notes of this episode. And uh, I'm looking forward to learn more about this. It's something what I've never heard before, and I'm so excited to learn more. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Olga. Thank you so much for inviting me and good luck to everyone. Thank you.